It's critical that Air Force buildings and structures are not only maintained, but remain combat ready, responsible for coming up with and implementing solutions to complex problems. Civil engineers keep our facilities and utilities running effectively, from drafting, surveying, and planning to explosive ordnance disposal and disaster preparedness. These highly trained engineers provide necessary problem skills and a wide range of expertise to thousands of structures around the world. What I've just read off is the official Air Force definition of its civil engineers. Sounds pretty vague, right? Well, after all, it is just a definition, and I'm sure if they wanted to get into it even more, they could explain each and every detail Air Force civil engineers are responsible for. So why is it they leave that definition so vague? Is it because they want to leave it open for interpretation? Or is it because there is simply too much to go over what these professionals are responsible for? Let's go with the latter. That's L-A-T-T-E-R, not L-A-D-D-E-R. So no, there is no pun intended there. But as far as the fine details as to what our civil engineers do, especially the civil engineers from the 101st, there is so much more that meets the eye. I think that they're too modest to talk about it. But these maniacs are extremely knowledgeable. And it just so happens that in this episode, we have a subject matter expert stopping by to talk about it. To talk about a recent DFT, that's deployment for training, that our CE unit recently went on, where their skills and expertise, they were pushed to the max. He's gonna talk about what they did, what they trained for, as well as takeaways. Of course, in this episode, we have a new maniac fact. We're gonna talk about family day for this upcoming drill weekend. The clinic has a message for everyone about heart health. And coming right up, Colonel Johns, the vice wing commander, is calling in to talk about the end of the fiscal year. The maniacs have accomplished a lot this year, and he wants to show his gratitude as well as talk about some of those details. This is episode 25 of the Maniac Radio Show, and I'm your host, Tech Sergeant Andy Sinclair with the 101st Public Affairs Office here in Bangor. Sit back, relax, and turn up those headphones, and let's get on with the show. It looks like Colonel Johns is calling in, so let's get him on the phone. Hey, Colonel Johns, thank you for letting me taking a minute of your time this week. Hey, no problem, Andy. I appreciate the work that you guys do over in public affairs, getting our command message out to the wing and the rest of the Maine Air National Guard. Yes, sir. We always appreciate the opportunity to utilize our training and creative resources. It's the end of the year, so I was wondering if you had any messages about that. Yeah, you're right. It is the end of the fiscal year, and uh, it's my last official budget closeout since I'm uh, retiring in April, so it's kind of an exciting time. Uh, This past year, we did a lot here in the Maine Air Guard. Um, first of all, back in last October, if you remember, we kicked off graduating 45 people through the Community College of the Air Force. Um, and then right after that, we sent a group of people over to uh, Germany to support a NATO exercise. And then our civil engineering readiness flight um, did a domestic operations equipment rodeo, and they educated local and state emergency responders in our, with all of our equipment and capability. Yeah, that's awesome. Some might say that uh, that was a pretty good start to the year. Uh, and. And uh, we also did a lot of community engagement too, right? Uh, yes, we did. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, this past year, we sponsored two blood drives. We did one in January and one in June. And then we also participated in environmental educational activities. Uh, for example, off at the University of Maine on Columbus Day weekend last year, uh, we did a, a lot of training for middle school students. And uh, we also did an annual stream cleanup this past spring with the city of Bangor. And lastly, uh, our medical group went out to an Indian reservation in North Dakota to provide two weeks worth of preventive medicine and healthy lifestyle support. Yeah, uh, sounds busy. Yeah, it is. And that's just the tip of the iceberg for what our maniacs accomplished. 
uh, we sent 30 people to a contemporary base issues course in Georgia last fall. And uh, what was different about that is we haven't sent a lot of people in mass just to a course like that for a while and it gave a lot of the mid-level people an opportunity to uh, interact with each other and gave them a chance to learn about a lot of new Air Force legal policies uh, as we go forward leading people. And uh, of course also we had it was busy in Washington DC this past year as many know we did have an election and that resulted in having a, and a big inauguration and our mobile command post went down there to help support that with six people. We spent a lot of time preparing for um, all of our missions, including our chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear explosives response mission. And uh, we exercised those skills in March and then our ability to mobilize a small force in August. Uh, we also found ourselves back in Germany during March on a different NATO exercise. And we weren't so involved with exercises that we didn't have time to fly live missions. Since October, we've flown over 4,000 hours of, in both operational and training missions. We've processed almost 1,000 transient aircraft and over 17,000 passengers. We also pumped close to 9 million gallons of fuel in both ground and air, and we filled 400 deployment taskings all around the world. Wow. You know, and that's the thing is the maniacs have an outstanding reputation for uh, their legacy around the world. And this past year just sounds like we've added on to that. Yeah, we did spread a lot of goodwill all over the world. Um, I want to thank all of our maniacs across the state for the great work they've done this past year. It's been a real privilege to be part of the team. Well, thanks, Colonel. I, I appreciate your time. I know you're busy. And maybe next month we can swing by and talk about some, uh, some content for the upcoming drills or maybe some changes that are about to happen. So I appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. Hey, have a great day, Andy. Thank you, you too. Again, that was Colonel Johns on the phone talking to us about the end of the fiscal year and the amazing things that our maniacs have done. So thanks again, Colonel, for calling in. So let's talk about some other things. First and foremost, Family Day. It's that time of year again. We hold an event out here at the wing where you can bring your families out for a day. Well, usually a half day. They can have lunch. They can see where you work. There are cool games and, and other little mini events that the kids can take part in. I mean, I guess you don't have to be a kid. You know what? Some adults do like balloon animals, but we're not here to judge. Who else wants something? I want a bicycle. A bicycle? Well, bicycle, I can take a lot of balloons and honestly uncle jeremy's a little tired right now so why don't we do something like uh let's say a giraffe i just want a bicycle why why are you yelling at me whatever make me a bicycle clown but this year it's different we're not doing a wing level event for family day this year it's based on shop to shop or squadron to squadron so it's a little more localized and a little bit more low-key I think it's going to be good. I think it'll be less hectic for some people. And you really get a chance to go around and meet everybody's family within your squadron. We have a lot of deployments coming up. And as you all know, the Maniacs have deployed a lot in the past. So I think that families meeting other families gives them a sense of comfort when they get to meet the people who are going through the same thing, such as deployments and TDYs. But I think it's going to be a half day again this year, just like it has been in the past, except it's just going to be on that squadron level. So talk to your supervisor or your first shirt to find out more information about this upcoming family day. Also, also, September 14th and 15th, there will be a sidewalk sale at the commissary. As if the prices weren't already low enough at the commissary, they're going to do a sale on the sidewalk. And I'm not talking about selling lemonade. Well, maybe they're selling lemonade. I don't know. But they're going to have great deals, great sales. If you have any questions, you can contact Todd Heasley. He is the new commissary manager down there. He's very easy to talk to. He knows military lingo. He gets it. He understands the struggles. He used to be in the army. But don't hold that against him. He is a great guy and he's awesome to work with. 
So if you have any questions, contact him. Again, that sidewalk sale is September 14th and 15th, so don't miss out on that. And last but not least, Terry Riddle, who most of you know worked in the family support office alongside Drew Matlins, recently took a new job, so she's no longer here at the wing. I figured that we would take this time to publicly thank her for everything that she did while she was here. She was very good at her job, and a lot of families and service members benefited from many of the things that she's done. Thank you, Terry, for everything you've done for our maniacs. And good luck at your new job. It looks like Staff Sergeant Neto has just walked in, so let's bring him in to have him talk to us about the recent DFT he went on. Okay, so with us today is Staff Sergeant Neto. He's an electrician down at the CE shop. He recently came back from a DFT, from a deployment for training over in Germany, Silver Flag, where they did multiple exercises where they are trained as if they were deployed. Uh, he's here to talk to us today a little bit about those experiences, what he went through, he and his team, some takeaways and um, just tell us and share the story. So Staff Sergeant Neto, thank you for stopping by. Thank you for having me. Uh, what can you tell us, what was the overall goal or reason why you guys went? Overall, to come together, work together, um, to build uh, pretty much a tent city from the ground up and to uh, also do, uh, for electrical side at least, uh, EOs, but we also worked with uh, the EAs and uh, bear base stuff. What type of living conditions were you guys staying in? Uh, we were staying in Tent City, a uh, little compound off of Ramstein. And then for our uh, training day, we went to another compound where we built the bear base up from the ground up. So for everybody else in the Air Force who doesn't know what Tent City is, you're actually staying in a tent. You're not staying in hard billets with, with uh, air conditioning and room service every day. These guys were actually roughing it, I guess it's what you could call it, right? That's, it's roughing it, it varies. Um, but yeah, you get a cot, there's a air conditioned tent city. That's cool then, uh, three hot meals or do you guys have uh, MREs? Uh, some days are MREs, but we were lucky enough to have services there. So they provide lunch and dinner. It was nice. That's cool. Our services or services from that base? Uh, from other bases. I think they came from Oklahoma City, I believe. That's cool. That's good. Yeah. Again, that's a good training opportunity for everybody. So what did you guys expect every day when you were wake, when you woke up? What was, um, did you guys have an itinerary? Did you know it was going to happen or? Yeah. When we first got there, they give you a pretty much a big giant uh, schedule and show what each shop was doing. And we followed ours and each day there was some certain training on equipment or class portion but there was also a lot of hands-on part. And then we were the guinea pig, I guess you could say, for this new system they're trying to do. Uh, it's called RADAR. I, can't, I don't know the acronym on the top of my head, but it's pretty much it's a airstrip. The airfield gets blown by um, the enemy and we have to go out and repair it right on the spot. Wow, and yep. did you guys know when that was gonna happen or was it just kind of um, flying? On the, on the actual training day, no. Um, pretty much we, started that morning and then EOD was there so they did simulating explosions and we went to work from there long days yeah so you were literally uh training as if you were fighting to yeah we had to, we, we had to be full gear and carry m4s wow on top of the gear you already have right? yeah plus uh carrying equipment but i mean yeah carrying the equipment and also working with m4 and everything so full battle rattle helmets all oh, that yeah. stuff yeah kevlar did you guys have to do chem gear at all, or was it just... <laughs> we got lucky. There was no chem gear. Uh, they, they're talking about, I think, an FY18. They're going to start bringing in chem gear with Silver Flag. And that's why you volunteered to go this year, right? Right, exactly. So yeah. you don't have to go next Germany year. Germany and no chem gear. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Run me through, like, a daily a daily schedule. Yep, daily schedule. I mean, you'd get up. You had the option to go um, 
the compound off of Ramstein is where we'd stay. And you could go Monday through Friday to eat breakfast at this German defect. But you didn't have to you to eat MREs. But then after that, you would uh, fall out formation and then you go to the classroom and you'd be in the classroom or off to the other compound site till four or five. Um, each shop was different, like EAs there. And those guys are awesome. They work from like eight in the morning to like 1130 at night. What's EA? The civil engineers. That's awesome. So did you guys work at all with Red Horse or? Uh, not that I saw. I don't think, I don't believe there's Red Horse. There was uh, us, Oklahoma City Guard, Tulsa Guard, and South Carolina Guard. That's cool. Did you guys have any days off at all or was it just two weeks of straight work? It was pretty much, uh, we got there, we got to go to the BX at night. So it wasn't really seeing Germany. And then from that morning all the way up until two weeks, we were straight working every day. Well, you know, and I guess in a way that's kind of good because if you would have had the opportunity to go out and and uh, explore a little bit, that would have been awesome. Sometimes you go on trips, or I've been on trips before where you're allowed to go anywhere, and, and then but there are people who still just want to hang out and walk around at the BX right. or whatever. So it's kind of it's kind of bittersweet because uh, also there was no Wi-Fi, so no one was on their cell phone. Back to basics. Yeah, it's back to uh, being back in high school with no cell phone. It's it's kind of nice. That's cool. So you have to enjoy each other's company. Right, exactly. You actually had to like spend time with people, and you can actually have a conversation with someone. They're not looking at their phone. So the, all in all, the training was two weeks, right? Yes. Did you guys do an FTX at the end of your training? Yeah. So pretty much the training. Sorry, correction. The training was ten days long, uh, two weeks with traveling, all that. Um, but yeah, so we trained all the way up until we did two days of that war training, I guess you say, where we did actual convoy out. We actually had to do chalks, and uh, I got to be one of the drivers for a chalk, so that was pretty cool. I had EOD in front of me, so I felt pretty safe. But yeah, so we did two days of that, and essentially, yeah, we got your convoy out, and right when you get there, it's right down the business, all the way up until the first day, I think we went to 1900, and, but the second day was crazy. We uh, started like six in the morning and we didn't, at least electrical, we didn't get done till like 11.30 at night. So what type of work were you doing? Uh, pretty much uh, running cable, setting up uh, uh, power for the for the bear base. Um, we were going off generators while certain buildings were, important buildings were going off generators. We were running uh, cable and power to tents and all that. Then we were also setting up uh, the airfield lighting for the, because there's a plane that's got to land, so. It's all very, very essential stuff, though. Yeah, I mean, there was 12 electricians, and it took us that long. So, I mean, there's a lot to it, and there's more than meets the eye, I guess. Right. There are 12 electricians, but you guys all have a wealth of knowledge and experience between. It's not like all of you are beginners and you're learning. Right. It was great, too, because we had young airmen. We had people that have been in for, like, five years, like myself. And then there was, like, uh, Sergeant Gay, who's been in for... Uh, over 10 years. So it's a good training experience for everybody. Right, it's then. a well-rounded training for everyone. So what, what were some of your takeaways with the DFT? Personally, it was a great experience. Uh, you actually work with different units. Uh, communication was big. And also, um, you just meet, uh, meet this guy from a different base and you click pretty easy and learn from him, he learns from you. And yeah, all around is a great training. That's awesome, and that's that's the whole point behind trips like that, right? Is is to uh, is to train as if you were deploying, right? And worst case scenario type conditions, and uh, maintain that readiness and posture for uh, for those those scenarios that could very well happen. I mean, we have no idea when 
something could happen overseas where they need to have an electrician go over and run cable and provide power to an airfield so that the planes can land. So that's why you guys do what you do, which is pretty cool. And that was the whole purpose why we wanted you to come in and talk was because I think that there are some people out there that, that may not know that you guys do that stuff and, and how hard you train when you go to those DFTs and those places like Silver Flag. You know, they come on the base and they, like myself, sometimes take for granted everything that goes on out here, you know, the, how is the power running and, and, and people don't see what goes on behind closed doors sometimes and they may just see a civil engineering troop mowing the lawn on the, on the ball field and think, oh, let's see over there and they don't understand the full capacity and I know, I, again, like I said, I'm guilty of it as well the full capacity of what CE does. You guys train hard and when you do, it's kind of cool because you know, sometimes when you're a part of a larger group, there are always going to be people who complain and and uh, are negative in, in scenarios and um, situations like you described Silver Flag, but with CE, it's like you guys don't complain and you guys love what you're doing and you right. see that in the work and like you said, it's an awesome experience for the younger airmen all the way up to the experienced senior NCOs. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, we're very passionate of our jobs and another side note for that, the two days we were out there for the war training at Brain all day. So, I mean, you're working from six to almost midnight and your boots have been soaked since eight in the morning. Yeah. Wow. Did you guys have to switch out your boots and socks so you can get trench foot? No, no. Uh, at least I didn't personally because I was too busy. I mean, but there's also times where we didn't, I guess I would say we didn't eat, but we ate MREs really quick and just went right back to work. Is there anything you want to add? Yeah, if you ever get the opportunity to go on trips, definitely go. Um, don't don't be afraid or embarrassed if you don't know something. I mean, these training sites are meant for to make mistakes and learn from them and grow. I mean, you may not know it all. You may more know more than that person, but help each other out. Be a good wingman. I want to say thank you again for coming in and taking your time to talk about this. And like I said, this the whole purpose behind this is to get the information out to the masses and let, let everybody else know what it is that you guys do in CE um, and how hard you guys work. So thanks again. Yeah, thank you for having me. The other day, Tech Sergeant Porter from the clinic stopped by to record a message concerning heart health and why it's important that as service members, we take this seriously. She's going to give some tips and tricks on how you can start taking your heart health a little more seriously and prevent serious problems down the road. So I'm going to play her message for you now. Hi, this is Tech Sergeant Porter from the 101st Medical Group here with another health promotion topic for the members of our wing. And the topic is heart disease. And uh, there's an Ayurvedic proverb that says, when the diet is wrong, medicine is of no use. When diet is correct, medicine is of no need. And nowhere is that truer than when it comes to heart disease. Heart disease is the number one killer of Americans. Um, there probably isn't a single one of us that doesn't have someone close to them that is being treated with medications for high blood pressure or hypertension. It's commonly referred to as the silent killer because people who are afflicted with it typically have no symptoms until the disease has caused some pretty serious damage to the organ systems in your body. And you can end up with things like kidney disease, heart attack, or a stroke. Unfortunately, nearly all of us will be directly impacted by this disease at some point during our lives, either because someone we love is struggling with managing this disease or because we ourselves are diagnosed. So to prepare for this, I spoke with our drill status cardiologist at the 101st, Dr. Rosenblatt, and uh, he and I talked about some basic tips that might be helpful for our base population to 
stay healthy and avoid the burden of managing multiple medications that can come along with this disease when you're diagnosed. So the most important thing you can do is also the simplest, and that is to embrace an active lifestyle as much as possible. According to the Center for Disease Control, engaging regularly in physical activity not only prevents heart disease but can extend your life and prevent certain cancers as well. You don't need to live at the gym, so you can ease into it slowly to uh, reap the benefits of this. So you can take a minute to bang out a couple of push-ups in your workstation every hour or two, that's what I do, or take a walk around the perimeter during your lunchtime, and every little bit counts. So the other larger piece in preventing heart disease um, is to make better dietary choices. This also seems really overwhelming to most people, but changing your diet little by little is easier, and you're more likely to sustain the healthy change as well if, if you change slowly. The best thing that I did for my diet was I started to meal prep at the beginning of each week. I find when I'm on orders here on the base or at drill that I go out and grab convenience food or processed food for lunch pretty frequently. So the problem with that is that the calories I'm getting in my diet aren't quality nutritionally dense calories. There's a lot of salt, sugar, and a lot of weird chemicals in processed food that uh, can have a hugely negative impact on your heart health. So by cooking healthy food on Sunday and I put it in Tupperware for my lunch throughout the week, I'm making more conscientious decisions about the food on my plate and sparing my body the unnecessary junk. And that's just a little something I do every week for my, for my heart health. Once I started doing that, I got into the habit and other healthy food choices became more and more simple to make once I was on that track. So I'm healthier and I don't feel guilty when I indulge in something that isn't so great for me, you know. Uh, when someone brings donuts, I can do that guilt-free, mostly. The other part of the dietary piece that even really health-conscious people miss is the issue of fitness supplements. That can have a surprising negative impact on your health. Uh, a lot of supplements and products that are marketed towards enhancing your gym time and uh, giving you greater or faster results can be significantly dangerous to your heart and to your kidneys. And so it's best to run it by your doctor if you're thinking about taking something just to see if it's okay. Um, better safe than sorry, as they say. So that's just a couple of pointers that I have for your heart health. I'm also going to tout the uh, smoking cessation that you're <laughs> probably sick of hearing me talk about um, because smoking as well has a very negative impact on your overall heart health and your overall health in general. So that's all I have for the heart today and keep it healthy. We'll see you at the medical group. Thank you, Sergeant Porter, for that useful information. Hopefully our listeners have some takeaways from your message. Let's go ahead and jump into our Maniac Fact. Today's Maniac Fact is brought to you by the 101st Electrical Power Production Specialists, where their job is powering our operations. From hangars and control towers to tents and temporary disaster relief centers, electricity is paramount to everything we do. It's the job of the electrical power production specialists to ensure that we always have electricity readily available. These experts utilize a vast array of skills and knowledge to do everything from starting up portable generators to maintaining and operating power stations to keep all of our bases operating at full capacity. For more information on how you can become a 101st electrical power production specialist, contact one of our recruiters. And here's your maniac fact. Let's rewind back to September of 1997. If you haven't guessed it already, the theme that we seem to be going with with this episode is the 101st Civil Engineering Squadron. 
So let's keep that theme going. So back in September of 1997, our CE unit planned a massive exercise across the runway at the bivouac. Their new officer in charge, Captain Dale Rowley, coordinated an on-base convoy route that allowed CE to move materials and personnel with weapons at the ready. Of course, when they say it's locked and loaded, they're talking about blanks, so don't worry, everybody was safe. Exercises like this pre-9-11 were fairly uncommon for the 101st, so when situations like this came up, it was excellent training, hindsight, for the years to come. The exercise gave them a realistic feeling on how it would feel to move troops in a wartime situation. They had MREs, box lunches, and learned everything from air-based ground defense from our local security forces troops to self-aid buddy care training provided by our medical group. They even had time to perform a retirement ceremony for Senior Master Sergeant Burton right there in the field. But these guys did everything from setting up their own tents and camping out under the stars. And if their CE squadron was anything back then like they are now, I'm sure they all loved it and soaked in that training in their own crazy way. Not to say that our CE troops are crazy, don't get me wrong, but these guys have unbelievable positive attitudes and they thrive off manual labor and roughing it. Once the Sunday UTA came around, they packed everything up and moved back to base where they got to conduct everybody's favorite pastime, cleaning weapons. So there you have it. A cool piece of history that you may or may not have known about our civil engineering squadron. I think it's cool when you hear stories like this, when you hear about multiple squadrons coming together for a unique and beneficial training exercise. If you want to see photos of this exercise, head over to our Facebook page by searching 101STARW, where I recently posted photos from September of 1997. If you want a visual reference of what these guys were doing during that UTA, check out those photos and you can see for yourself how dirty their hands got. So again, head over to our Facebook page and check those out. And just like the summertime weather, this episode of the Maniac Radio Show has come and gone. I'm your host, Tech Sergeant Andy Sinclair with the 101st Public Affairs Office here in Bangor. Hey, I know it's random, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Here are a couple of themes in the coming months. Between September 15th and October 15th, the United States recognizes as National Hispanic Heritage Month, and it's to raise awareness to recognize the contributions of Hispanic and Latino Americans to the group's heritage and culture in the United States. So keep that in mind. Also, the entire month of October is National Fire Prevention Month. This is nothing new. We've talked about it in the past. But just keep that in mind and also check your fire extinguishers as well as your smoke detectors and keep your family safe. It takes two seconds to replace the batteries. And if you didn't know already, it is main state law that your smoke detectors do have to be hardwired together and the batteries act as a backup. So again, the whole purpose is to keep your family safe. So take a look at that. I mentioned earlier our Facebook page. You can find that by searching 101STARW. Again, head over there and see some photos from this episode's Maniac Fact. You can also head over to our Instagram page by searching 101STARW. You'll find daily photos posted over there from around the wing. So if you like photos and you like videos, make sure you check out our social media pages. Don't forget to head over to the Vice Wing Commander's official Instagram and Facebook pages by searching CV.101ARW. He gives a different perspective and uploads different media pertaining to the 101st Air Feeling Wing. So make sure you get over there and you follow his pages. Don't forget that the Airman Development Summit is coming up next month during next month's drill. If you want to participate in that, make sure you talk to your supervisor. But that's it. I hope you all have an outstanding UTA. Again, if you see us around and you have an idea for the podcast, you stop us and let us know. We're very open to ideas. 
And just like my supervisor always says, flexibility is our middle name. So until next time, so long and be safe.